yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy, for I will have no more mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. And then to chapter 2, verse 21. And I'll read to the end of this chapter for us. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel, for I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come to these words? Uh, they are often difficult for us to understand and even more difficult uh, for us to receive and to apply. And so we need your help this morning. Would you help us to trust that these are gifts from you? They are gifts of life and peace. Uh, they are gifts of your grace to us. So would you help us to hear them like that? Would you help us to humble ourselves? Would you open our ears and our hearts to receive and to be changed by them? And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a teacher in Malawi, Africa, it was always an adventure to pronounce and learn my students' names. And it was even more interesting to, to learn the meaning of those names. And so there were really common ones like Chikondi, which meant love, or Chisomo, which meant grace. Uh, but sometimes there were more interesting and unique names that my students had. One of my students was named Chimbatata, which means large sweet potato. <laughs> Another student was named Mavuto, which I thought was a beautiful sounding name, but found out that it's the word that means trouble. Makes you wonder what was going on in that family. That they would give a baby the name Trouble. Well, the beginning of the book of Hosea raises similar questions, doesn't it? 
Uh, We learned last time that Hosea is a book about how God loves his people and ultimately how he loves us. And last time we learned that that love, it is spousal. It, It is like a broken but restored marriage. And what we find out this time is that God's love is not only spousal, it is also parental. In particular, God takes on the parental role, the parental responsibility of saying, here is how you will be known. Here is what you will be called. God loves us by naming us. Which sounds nice until you read Hosea chapter 1 and then it's disturbing. Because these names raise some difficult questions, don't they? And so this morning, I want us to ask two questions about God's naming role in our lives. Why do we have these names? And how do we get new ones? So first of all, why these names? And what we find in Hosea chapter 1, they're a little bit more like titles, aren't they? And each of these titles is a negation of what should be, of what has been and what should be. So the first one, Jezreel, this first son, uh, that word means God, like a farmer, sows. God plants, which is a positive thing, right? And, and it was the name of a very famous valley in this region. And when you hear that name, it makes you think of of the valleys that you would see on an inspirational poster, right? Beautiful wildflowers, a a babbling brook. But here's the problem. The history of this place contradicted the meaning of its name. Jezreel was the location of multiple bloody battles. It was the place of multiple tragic acts of violence. For example, Jehu, the king mentioned in verse 4, slaughtered the extended family of the king who preceded him in this valley. So this place that should be full of life was in actuality full of death. It's a little bit like naming a child Auschwitz. And then these these other uh, two names that we find in Hosea chapter 1, they are both beautiful and powerful Hebrew words. Uh, The word for mercy there is the Hebrew word ruham. And it is closely related to the word for womb. And then the other word is ami, my people. Both of these words express the affection and the commitment and the protection that the people of God should experience, had experienced in relationship to God. But attached to these beautiful, powerful words is a little Hebrew article, a little two-letter word, an article really attached to these words, lo. And lo is the Debbie Downer of the Hebrew language. Attach it to any other word and it shuts the party down. It transforms smiles into frowns. It takes laughter 
and makes it weeping. And so attached to these words, God is saying of his people, they are no longer of my womb. He is negating the relationship he had with them. He is disowning them. Now, what could create such a tragic situation? What could cause such dark names? Well, this is where we need to connect the marriage imagery in the book of Hosea to the parenting imagery. Because one produces the other. Alright? Union leads to multiplication. We'll say it that way appropriately. Alright? <laughs> and so remember Hosea as the prophet poet. He doesn't just make the metaphors. He has to live the metaphor. And so his tumultuous marriage to Gomer, this adulterous woman tells the history of how Israel, how God's people had turned away from God, how they had betrayed him, and how they had worshipped other gods, which is like adultery. It's a union. His children and their names tell the story of results. These children tell what has happened as a result of that Union. The loss of what had been, of what should be in relationship to God, that affection, that protection, that belonging, the loss of that is the multiplication that is the result of union with other gods. In other words, God here is naming flowers. He is naming the flowers that grow from the seed and soil of idolatry. And that's why, although these names were spoken a long time ago to a different set of historical people, these names belong to us. Apart from the intervention of God, These names belong to us. You see, idolatry, it is simply making anything or anyone more important than God. Which we all have done. Which we all do. That is hardwired into the human race. And we need to understand that when we do that, that is a union that leads to multiplication. That that is a marriage that produces children. It produces the offspring of alienation from God. And the loss of the meaning and purpose for which we were made. It is to become less than human. It is to lose the human flourishing. That God intended for us when he created us. Now that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear about ourselves. That is hard for me to say about you and understand that I am saying it about me as well. But But denial does no one any good. And we all need our condition 
truly named, truly described. So some of you know that uh, a couple of weeks ago on vacation, I broke out in a rash on my head and face, which was super fun. It was a great part of vacation. I'm being sarcastic. Um, broke out on my face. I thought it was going to go away. But after a few days, it didn't go away. And so I went to urgent care. And when the PA walked into that examination room, I wanted him to name my rash allergic reaction. Take some Benadryl. It'll be gone in a few days. But he didn't do that. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. He walked in and he looked at me and he said, huh. You're a little young for that. And then he named my rash shingles, which is not what I wanted him to do. That's not the name I wanted for my rash. See, in that moment, what I needed is for him to say what I didn't want to hear. And so to name my condition Truly, how much more do we need that from the divine physician? How much more do we need that from the one who can see completely, perfectly, truly? How much more do we need God to name us? To name the fruits To name the flowers of our rejection of Him. Our rebellion against Him. Because listen, denial does no one any good. We pull back from that, don't we? We we come come across these parts of Scripture and we're like, that's not that bad. I'm not that bad. But can you see how ultimately that is a very unhealthy thing to do? It is unhealthy for us to resist the diagnostic naming of God in our lives through His Word. But it is also unhealthy for us to stay there. Because while these names here in Hosea chapter 1, while they are true of us, they are not all that can be true of us. So we've got to keep moving. And we need to ask another question. If these names belong to us, how do we get them changed? How do we get new ones? And there are new transformed names in this text, aren't there? You heard them, didn't you? Chapter 1, verse 10, all of a sudden calls the people of Israel the children of the living God. And then attaches to them these ancient promises that God had given to Abraham. That they would be more numerous than the sands of the seashore. And then what we read in chapter 2 completely reverses the names of chapter 1, doesn't it? Jezreel now loses its history and regains its true meaning. God himself 
planting in and through his people abundant life. Grain, wine, and oil. That little negative Hebrew article, the Debbie Downer of the Hebrew language, is now edited out. No mercy becomes mercy. Not my people becomes my people. God is saying, now, once again, you are of my womb. You once again belong to my affection, to my care, to my protection and provision. How? How does that complete reversal happen? Well, not by anything that the people themselves do. They don't create this change. I want you to notice the complete non sequitur between chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 9, not my people, not your God. Verse 10, children of the living God, more than the sands on the seashore. That's a complete non sequitur, right? That doesn't follow. How does that happen? There's a gap between those verses. Well, chapter 2, verse 21 helps us to fill in that gap. God says, in that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. See, when God, or let me say it this way, names change when God talks. That's what fills in the gap between chapter 1, verse 9 and chapter 1, verse 10. God intervenes with his word. And names change when God talks. Don't we see that in the Bible over and over again? You'll no longer be known as Abram. You'll be known now as Abraham. You're no longer Sarai. Your name is now Sarah. God is a name changer. He's a little bit like that guy at work or in your social circle who's not, he doesn't, he's not comfortable with anyone's given name. He's always trying to come up with new ones for people. He's nicknaming people. And that can be annoying sometimes. But when your name is no mercy, you want that guy. And that is who God is. He is a name changer. How do we know that he is that for us? That he has done that for us? Well, the New Testament quotes the book of Hosea three, maybe four times. And two of those times, two of those times, it directly quotes these texts, these names. Romans 9, 1 Peter 2, both say to those who are in Jesus, those who have believed in Christ and belong to him, You were no mercy, and now you are mercy. You were not a people, but now you are God's treasured possession. If you do community Bible reading with us, we have been in the Gospel of John for a couple of weeks. Who is Jesus at the beginning of the Gospel of John? 
He is the Word, right? He is the Word of God. He is God talking. And so what does He do? Chapter 1, verse 12. To those who have received them, He gives them the right to become, to be called, to be named children of God. Who is Jesus in John chapter 10? We read it on Thursday. He's the good shepherd. What does that mean? Well, it means that he calls those who belong to him by name. And they know his voice. And they come under his provision and his protection. Do you need an example of that? John chapter 11. Lazarus. Dead and rotting. Until the shepherd calls his name. Until the word of God speaks out and says, Lazarus, get up. And forever, what do we think when we hear the name Lazarus? We don't think death, do we? We think life. We think resurrection. We think empty tomb. Why? Because Jesus is the non sequitur of God's word. Intruding on this world. Intruding on your life. And changing your name. And saying once you were no mercy. But now you are the children of the living God. I think maybe our response to this. Is that we should develop a a set of spiritual noise-canceling headphones. Spiritual noise-canceling headphones. We need to learn habits. We need to learn the skill of filtering out the noise. Filtering out the voices that want to name us. That want to define us by our successes or our failures. By our intelligence or our lack of it. By our, what we have or what we don't have. We need to be able to filter out those voice so that we can, voices so that we can hear that deeper voice. The voice of God's own spirit given to us through Jesus. Who calls out in us right now. Abba, Father. What would be different about your life if you heard, really heard, that you belong to God's womb? What would that do to your fear? What would that do to your shame? What would that do to your impulse always to hide, to pretend, to self-protect? What would be different about your life if you heard, really heard, that your name is Jezreel? God sows. God plants. What would it do to your cynicism, to the seeming impossibility of change? What would it do to your sense of uselessness and ineffectiveness as a parent, 
in your vocation, in your friendships? What would it do to that sense of uselessness to hear that God has planted His Word, His Spirit in your life, in our life, church? And because of that, our lives will flower. They will flower with the beauty of God, with the aroma of new life. So can you hear it? Can you hear the non sequitur of God's voice? God's word in his son, Jesus. This week, will you listen to God naming you? Yes, in a way that reveals your deep emptiness and need. But even more so, in a way that reveals his abundant gift to you. In his son and spirit. Let's pray.